Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be talking about fall reads. You know, fall is that time of the year when all the great books come out and we look forward to it. It's like our Oscar season for all the good books, like the returning authors who are loved and people are waiting for their next book. It tends to be big on celebrity memoirs and I don't know, I think cookbooks and and things that you would buy as Christmas gifts all start coming out. Uh, I would say September to mid-November is when you get all of those books. And, and so we are going to try to tell you about the ones we're most excited about. We each have six and we don't talk about these, our book lists before we come on the show so that we have some room to be surprised to see if we pick the same books. Gail predicts there will be some overlap, but I don't know. I think, I think I could surprise you. We'll see. I have some backup ones. Okay, you do? Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, my list yeah. was really long. I just tried to pick the things that I just knew I wanted to read just as soon as they come out. You know, So I have a couple of authors whose books I've read and I always look forward to. And then there were just a couple of intriguing books by de- debut authors and maybe authors I haven't read before that, that look particularly good. Right. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see if we come up with some of the same ones. Um, I have to update you on my vacation reading. Right, right, right. So how did you, let me pull up the list and you can tell me what you got through and let's see how you compare to what you actually said you were, what you said you were going to read. Okay. Everything I read was on the list. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't veer off the list. Um, you and didn't I read, go to some bookstore and, and I did go to the bookstore and I bought two books, but I just kept but them you didn't separate. read them. I was like, those are not okay. on the list. Yeah. I went to my favorite bookstore, which is Island bookstore in Corolla, North Carolina. And I only bought two books, which I thought was very restrained of me, but yeah, I read eight books while I was gone, which, you know, for me, that's huge. Like that's like a massive chunk of my, uh, my reading year right there on that little stretch. Cause you went for 60 books this year. How have you kept on yep, track I'm with pandemic? To, yeah, I'm actually a little bit ahead. I'm like at 42. You're really good. I think I went on Goodreads the other day for the first time in months. And it's like you're 32 books behind or something ridiculous because <laughs> I have not just, been reading. <laughs> you should just unsubscribe from your challenge there. Uh, yeah, it says, it just told me it was like, give up now. What are you doing? Right. Yeah, no, I've, I was behind in like May and June. And then this little stretch at the beach caught me up because I read a bunch and it got me a little bit. So now I have a little bit of cushion for September when things are going to start to get super busy. So, okay. Right. So here's what I read. Some of them were light and some of them were not as light. So, you know, there was kind of a nice little mix there. The light ones I read were, I read One to Watch which is the book about the plus size fashion influencer who goes on a bachelor-esque show where she's the star. And it's just about like her journey through the star to the show. It's called one to watch. And it was really cute. It was fun and cute and just a good way to kickstart reading. Cause it got me like 
you know, into, into reading and I didn't want to put it down and it was very cute. So that's one to watch by Kate Stame in London. Um, I guess you would call that a rom-com maybe, uh, women's fiction slash rom-com. Then I read a thriller. I read the last flight, which you and I talked about. That's the book about the woman who is trying to flee her marriage and goes to the airport and ends up switching tickets with somebody else. And then the person she switched tickets with her flight goes down. And so you find out like, the, but the two people's backstories and what was going on, why were they each trying to escape? And then what happens after the flight goes down? It was pretty good. You know, it's definitely a thriller, but I, I liked it. And it, it kept me intrigued and kept me going. I haven't thought much about it since I finished it, but I, I thought that one was pretty good. That's the last flight. So by I didn't Julie do Clark. that thriller thing at the end where you just want to, where just everything that has come before it is, is, no. uh, I don't know, negates no. itself, I guess I'll say. Yeah, no, it didn't do that. And I wonder if it's because, you know, she is also, like the, the other book I've read by her is called The Ones We Choose, which is not a thriller at all. It's really more of just a, you know, just a novel. So maybe she's not like necessarily always, you know, she's not like a, a thriller writer per se. She just happened to write a right. thriller this time. So I thought it was well-constructed. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, there were definitely some, it relied on a lot of coincidences and things that seemed completely like implausible, but it was, it was like for the beach was perfect. Right. Then I read My Friend Anna by Rachel Deloche Williams, which you and I have talked about. This is about the woman who is bilked out of lots of money by her friend, who it turns out is a fraud. Her friend bills herself as this German heiress, and it turns out she's not who she says she is. And I'm not giving away anything that's not on the, literally on the cover of the book. And um, I like this one a lot. It was a memoir, and she takes you through very methodically and in lots of detail about how she became friends with Anna and what happened. And you sort of, like, she kept very meticulous records of all the texts that they exchanged. And Anna owes her a lot of money and you're sort of watching her like trying to get the money back and trying to get Anna to transfer the money. And like, you see why you sort of start to like get sucked in to like believing that things are going to be fixed and holding out hope. Like, Oh, she says that the money's being transferred. Um, I don't know. I really like that book. I found it completely addictive. Rita had a hard time putting that one down. I took a look at a few of the pages after we talked about it. And I said, you know, cause I had said, I didn't know if I could suspend disbelief enough to, you know, believe that someone put that amount on her credit cards. I think in the first few chapters when I were there in Morocco, I believe. And I think that she thinks that she's just using her credit card for a while in lieu of this other girl's credit card of Anna's credit card, I guess. And of course she's shocked when they put the whole amount on it because they don't have anyone else's card and they just, you know, she believes them when, when they say that, oh, this is just for the deposit. Da, da, da. So that did make it a little bit more, you know, plausible that this would happen as opposed to. Right. If yeah. I just see handed over my happen. card for, you know, and told her to put 60 K on it. Yeah. You can see how this could happen. Uh, it's, right. it's, it's realistic. Um, so 
I like this one a lot. I think they're making it into a movie if they haven't already. Right. So, uh, okay. So then came The Stationery Shop by Marjam Kamali. And this is historical fiction, although I think I would call it more like lighter fiction, women's fiction. It's, it, it's historical in that it takes place in the 50s in Iran, but it's really about a romance. And it's about this couple, they fall in love. They're in, they're basically just teenagers. And, um, she, that's the backdrop is all this political unrest in Iran and they're supposed to, they get engaged and then he kind of disappears. And then he's supposed to meet her in the square, uh, so that they can go and elope and he never shows up. So then the story becomes what happened, why didn't he show up? And then how did they live their lives afterwards? And it, this one was pretty light. Like I think I was expecting it to be a little heavier on the history and lighter on the romance. And it turned out to be the reverse, but, uh, it was good. I listened to that one on audio and again, I had, you know, I looked forward to putting in my earbuds and taking a walk on the beach and listening to it. So I, I recommend it if you know what you're getting into, like, it's not going to be deep, deep historical fiction. And there's a fair amount of like cliches and it's a little bit, you know, perhaps could have been edited a bit, but, uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good book. Um, then the next one was his only wife by peace. Adzo Medi. And this is, um, a book about a woman in Ghana who is in an arranged marriage with a man who's already involved with somebody else. This was a really good read. I really liked this one. It was, um, funny at times, but also enlightening and had the kind of a strong feminist bent to it, which I enjoy. I don't know. It, that was a good, it was a good one. That's coming out soon. And I think I have a feeling this, this book will be popular. It, it was, uh, there was just a lot to like about it. Okay. Then came Happy and You Know It by Laura Hankin, which is a fiction novel about a bunch of women on the Upper East Side, wealthy women who invite this struggling musician to be the musician for their playgroup. But it turns out there's a lot of darker stuff going on under the surface and she gets kind of sucked into their lives. And then there are some secrets that come out and get revealed. And um, it was actually a pretty funny and an engrossing book, you know, not deep, deep literature, but I like the way she told the story. It, it un- unrolled or kind of unpeeled itself slowly. And I thought it was pretty good. Then I read a just flat out romance called the flat share by Beth O'Leary. This is a, the book about <laughs> the so two. even woman's fiction. I mean, no, it's a romance. It's totally a romance. It's about these two people and living in England and they're sharing a flat, but he works nights and weekends and she works days. And so they never see concept. each other. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute. You know, cause like you have to, with a romance, you sort of have to keep them apart for a while before you can let them explore their, you know, actual attraction to each other. And so this is kind of a creative way to keep them apart, but allow them to interact. So they, the two of them correspond by post-it note. It's a cute book. It's, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of silly, although it has some darker elements to it. There's some kind of emotional abuse that happens, not between those two, but some in her past. And yeah, there's some things in there that are not like totally rosy, but it's, it, it's cute. I did that on audio. Good, 
you know, British accents and stuff. So that was cute. That's the flat share. And then the last one, which I actually finished this week, so it sort of hung over into post-vacation, was Plain Song by Kent Haruf. So I read his book, uh, Our Souls at Night, last year, loved it. And then I picked up Plain, Plain Song, which is the first of a trilogy. And it's a book about people who live in a small town, fictional small town outside Denver. And it's about people's lives who are mostly lonely and sort of find each other in unexpected ways and, you know, learn to uh, depend on each other and connect with each other. And I thought it was great. I love, I love Kent Roof and I loved it. So that's probably my favorite of all of the books that I read was the last one, Plain Song. But I would say overall, the whole list was, it was a satisfying list of books. Interesting. So you, you did not choose the Miriam Two's book, Women Talking. No, you know, I picked it, was it up. Too heavy. I don't know. Yeah, I picked it up and I took a look at it and I just, I put it down. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the right one at the right time, but I'll get to it eventually. But it just, it felt like, oh, it felt very incongruous with what was going on around me. And I just, I don't know. I put it back down. All right. So which one, if, if someone, if one, one of our listeners is heading for a beach next week, like, which are the top three that you think out of the books that you read, like what should they take? I think I would say the top three would be one to watch because great beach read. His only wife, which is not a heavy read, but really interesting. And I think would be great for a vacation because it's, you just want to keep, you want to find out what happens. Um, and then I would probably pick Plain Song just because I love it. It's a great book. Um, if Plain Song feels too slow, and too quiet for a vacation, then I would do my friend Anna. Mm, okay. Those would be my picks. All right. Sounds good. So yeah, sorry. I know there was a lot, but it's so unusual for me to have a lot of books at one time to talk about. I'm so exciting. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I will never, I will never hit this level of reading in one month that I hit this August. So that's my August. August, 2020. Yep. Who knew? All right. So what have you been reading? Are we going to have time? I was thinking maybe we could skip this part this time. Okay. That's fine. Since you did a recap. Yeah. And that was long. All right. So since Gail has recapped her reading for us, and that reminds me that I had sort of started flipping through my friend Anna and I want to go back and finish reading it now. Uh, and plus we need more books that we read in common just in case March Madness is back next year. (laughs) We have to get back to our book club, but baby steps. <clears throat> I think you would like Anna, my friend Anna. I would give it a try. You're, you're going to read it in an afternoon. All right. So we're going to jump into all the books that we're excited to read for next year. I mean, for this coming season, uh, fall 2020. Uh, I really did my best to kind of pick the things that, like I said, I want to would just reach and want to pick up right now and to have a little variety you know, between new authors and authors I've read before and and just, you know, to hit upon a few different things. Like I tried not to go all dark and grim. Uh, I had a list of, I probably had like 40 books on this list and I don't have any celebrity memoirs, but there were a lot of nice looking memoirs out there. So I'm sure that we will feature these books as we go along, you know, in our 
roundups for September and October. So that's the only thing that made me feel better about having to call my list down is that I know that we're going to be talking about, you know, other books that we're excited about coming out in these, in these months. So. Okay. Maybe we could do a memoir episode. It made it a less harrowing choice. Yeah. I mean, I go back and forth on memoirs because sometimes I think some, you know, some people, their memoirs, it's, they're just sort of so specific or so, I don't know, like, I don't know. These memoirs that I found though are just like interesting topics that I'd never considered about set in different parts of the world. You know, people evaluating the United States through their own perspective. Like, so lots of those things that I like. So yeah, we should do a memoir show. All right. So why don't I start? I will, uh, like we said, I've actually got, I've got seven here. So in case we have some overlap, I can knock one of these off. Um, I'm going to start with a book by an author I have read before, and this is called Transcendent Kingdom by Yah Jesse. And this book is about, um, well, her first book was Homegoing, which traced the history of slavery uh, from Ghana to the U.S. and then life in Ghana over like about a two or 300 year period where she took two half sisters and then traced their descendants in alternating chapters. Um, that book came out a couple years ago, really good. And her new book is called Transcendent Kingdom. And this is about a family of uh, Ghanaian immigrants living in the U.S. And I believe the daughter is a um, student, maybe a graduate student at Stanford studying neuroscience. And it's all about her family and issues like depression, addiction, and grief. And um, I don't know too much more than that. I've seen a few reviews which have been very positive, And I remember that her writing was beautiful. So this is maybe not as complicated of a structure as Homegoing was, which I definitely found to be a hard read in terms of just keeping the timeline straight and knowing which side of the family you were on. Um, this one may be more straightforward, but it sounds like it's really good. So I trend- knew that would be on your list. So when, when I saw it and gave it the eye, I said, I know Gail's going to pick this one. So okay, I can okay. choose something else. <laughs> good. All right. You know me too well. So there it is. Transcendent Kingdom. And that comes out next week on September 1st. We're recording this at the very end of August, although it won't air until probably the first or second week of September. So this comes out on September 1st. Which is like next week, the first week. Uh, Okay, so no secret, because I think I mentioned it on an earlier show that Tana French has a new book coming out. It's going to be out on October 6th and it's called The Searcher. Now, I've talked about her books a lot because I love them. I read them as soon as they come out. Uh, This one, like her last book, which I, the name escapes me right now, was a standalone. And this one is also a standalone. So she's branching away from the Dublin murder series. Um, And I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess it's time to move on. Oh yeah, her last book was The Witch Elm. That name just came to me. I really love that as a standalone. It is, it was definitely a slow build kind of read. You know, there, she gives you a lot of background and you really get to know these characters before things start going on. 
But her new book is called The Searcher and she's branching out a little bit more because this one actually features an American who was a Chicago police officer and he decides that he wants to escape. He's gone through a divorce. You know, work has just been really difficult. So he's just looking forward to moving to a small Irish village, you know, buying a house that he can work on and fix up and just, you, I don't know, visiting the local pub. Like he is ready to chill. But of course, when he moves to this small village, um, there's a local kid and his brother goes missing. So of course he starts investigating and, and yeah, so it'll go on from there. I'm sure one of her twisty mysteries, um, like I said, October 6th, 464 pages and I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm there for it. Nice. I know that she's one of your favorite authors. I am a completist for her. Well, a new Tana French book is always a reason for excitement here on the show. Okay, so my next book is actually by an author you and I think you and I have talked about before on the show. It's called Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. We read his book, That Kind of Mother, I believe. Did we read that? I know I read it for book club, but I think you and I also talked about it on the show. We did. Yep. So this has a really interesting fact pattern. So... In this book, Leave the World Behind, a couple rents a house in Long Island, uh, way out the the outer reaches of Long Island, I guess for a week for vacation or something. And one night the power goes out and then there's a knock at the door and there's a couple at the door who says, this is our house and we needed to come back because of some, you know, they're like on the run from something. And it's all kind of mysterious and shady why they've come back to this home and then the question is are they who they say they are and they also are black so the book from what i understand from just the what little the teasers i've read about it is it deals with race it deals with their suspense um there's you know questions of identity and there's sort of like fear that runs through this book because i think the people who are staying there are not sure who has who has actually showed up. And I've just, I, the buzz around this book is really intense and it sounds good. So I thought I, I liked his first book. I didn't love it. I liked it. And I'm interested in giving this one a shot. This was on my list. So I'm going to have to hit a substitute. I didn't know. I didn't know if you liked his book enough to to choose this one. I read his first book, which I think was it's the one about the two, the friendship. And I think that's the one I liked least. It was, I was kind of like, eh, that's, it was okay. I really liked that kind of mother. And yeah, this one sounds really good. So I'm looking forward to reading that. But glad you are too. So I'll yeah. happily cross that off my list and, and okay, sub in sorry. something else. Okay. That's okay. Um, this one comes out October 6th. I mean, the buzz is really intense. Like a lot of people are listing this on their like most anticipated fall reads and I know it has a cool looking cover. (laughs) So I got sucked in. All right. What do you have next? Okay. So this one is a little bit off my wheelhouse, I would say just a little bit uh, in the sense that 
I don't know. I feel like this could be a little bit light. It's by Marie Benedict. It's called The Mysteries of Mrs. Christie. And I know she tends to write, I think her other novels, have one was, I think, about Marie Curie. And I think she tends to write about like either the women in scientists' lives or or a, ma- a male author. She tends to write about the women behind prominent males or some woman who's distinguished herself in a time where it was not easy to do so. So this time she is taking on the story of the missing days when Agatha Christie is missing for like 10 days. And she writes a novel later on, which is about a woman who goes missing, a murderous husband, you know, who is like plotting to kill her. And so it's examining that time period in her life and what her motives were. I mean, I think the story is Agatha Christie, she suspected her husband was having an affair. And I think she disappeared for some period of time and was just chilling in some hotel somewhere for like 10 days. And when she came back, she said she had amnesia. So (laughs) nothing really, I mean, besides that, and I guess this mysterious novel that she wrote later on with the murderous plot, I mean, no one really knows what happened. And so I think she's just trying to explore how she was able to control the narrative of her disappearance. I mean, because to this day, I don't think that anyone really knows what happened or if she really did have amnesia, but she checked into this hotel, I think under the name of her husband's lover. It's just so strange. So I couldn't resist this one. (laughs) Tell me what it's called again. The Mysteries of Mrs. Christie. Okay. I think I've by Marie Benedict. Well, it's funny. I have a book that is not exactly like that, but it sort of has some similar plot. It's called Here is the Beehive by Sarah Crossan. And it comes out in November, November 17th. And so there was a woman who was having an affair with a man for several years, and then he dies. And she has to deal with, after his death, not only bearing this this loss and the grief privately and secretly because no one knew they were together. But I think that she also is friends with the wife. So she sort of has to like, she's forced into, you know, a relationship with the, this woman that she's kind of vilified and hated all this time. And now she's forced to like interact with her. And um, it just reminded me what you were just saying about Agatha Christie checking in under her, his, her husband's lover's name this seems like there's, you know, kind of this triangle going on as well. Um, I have never heard of this author before. I came across this on some book list that I was reading to research for this episode, and it just sounded really good. So it's called Here's the Beehive by Sarah Cross. Hmm. That was on my list. So Gail, you were right. I thought we would not have a... Are you kidding? No, I'm not. So I have to cross off and, oh and, my God. and substitute something else. I thought for sure you would never have heard of that one because I, I had never heard of it and I just thought it was kind of random. <laughs> wow, our tastes not really do so overlap random. a lot. Um, do you know, is she a debut author? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't. I know she's she's not one I've read. I'm going to look it up and see because I, I know nothing about her. Uh, but it does sound there. really good. Uh, no, it looks like she has another book out. Let's see if that's a novel or what it is. Oh, she's Irish. Interesting. Oh, no, she's got a lot of books out. 2012, 2015, 
I yeah, looked at those notes that I'm interested anyway, even though it said for fans of Sally Rooney, Otessa Mushfay, and Sheila Hetty, I haven't re- read, but Sally Rooney and, and Otessa are kind of like mixed for me. Like I liked normal people, but I, I did not love it. You know, like the way some people have raved over it and yeah. you know how I felt about. Right. Rest and relaxation. What is the name of that book? Right. Yes. My year of rest and relaxation. Interesting. She's got a ton of books out. So I apologize to Sarah Crossan for not knowing about her and for suggesting she she's a debut novelist because she's got like 10 books. Okay. Yeah. And it's, I, it's interesting to me that this is sort of does sound like more literary fiction than I maybe would have expected from that. It sounded, I don't know, the fact, the plot doesn't necessarily suggest that that would be literary fiction and it is. So I'm intrigued by this. And the Sally Rooney thing, I, you know, I didn't like conversations with friends, but I did like normal people. So that cuts both ways. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I took one of your books, two of your books. It's okay. I have others. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the next book on my list is White Ivy by Susie Yang. Uh, It's out November 3rd. It is about this Chinese American woman who she's raised by her immigrant grandmother um, who just kind of uses her mild sort of appearance, I guess, how she appears to other people. And she uses her to, to start and she teaches her how to steal stuff. So basically she's a thief. She has the opportunity to attend college. And then she meets like, I don't know, some golden boy of some political family. And she becomes very intrigued with him. And as she's becoming more involved in his life, um, her past comes back to haunt her, like her past misdeeds. Hmm. I've seen this on lists as well. That looks good. It says a young woman's dark obsession with her privileged classmate and the lens she'll go to to win his love. And so I guess she grows up here as punishment when her mom finds out that she's been stealing with her grandma. She's sent to China. And uh, so lots of just, um, just different worlds colliding. And then, of course, when she runs into someone from her past, that cannot bode well. Hmm, looks good. Okay. And that is due out when? That's November 3rd. Okay. My next one is another repeat author for me. It's The Exiles by Christina Baker Klein. She wrote Orphan Train. Uh, historical fiction is definitely her wheelhouse. And this is about a woman who is becomes pregnant in England in the, I think it is the 19th century. And she's in prison in England and ends up being one of the convicts that's sent to Australia when they were sort of creating Australia, populating Australia. And I've heard very, very good reviews about this. I liked Orphan Train. I liked Christina Baker Klein. Um, and this, this one sounded good. I actually have it in the house. I think I swapped somebody for it. And so I have an arc of it. And actually it's already out. It came out at the end of August, um, August 25th, but I was excited about it. So I wanted to throw it on the list. Well, August 25th is September for all it's basically fall. intense, intense and in purposes. Right. All right. So my next book is called 50 Words for Rain by Asha Lemmy. And it is about, it's set in the night in 1948 in Kyoto, Japan. And it's about a young girl named Nori who 
is she's mixed race. I think she is the child um, of a Japanese aristocrat and her African-American GI lover. So I'm not sure which of her parents is, is, was in the GI. But anyway, she's raised by her grandparents and because mixed race in Japan is frowned upon, they hide her away in the attic. Um, so she's this child who grows up in the attic. And I think when she finally gets a chance to venture out into the world is because her legitimate older half-brother comes back to the estate he's supposed to inherit and they form a relationship that, you know, that allows her to sort of start to escape the very narrow confines of the world that she's been allowed to experience. And, and so once she gets to experience that world, she wants to be a part of it. And it seems like she's willing to do whatever she has to do to make that happen. So uh, this is a debut novel and it sounds really good. You know, Imperial Japan. I love that these books are kind of all over the place, literally, like location-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have Australia, Japan, uh, Long Island. China. Ga- Ghanaian immigrants. So it's not actually set in Ghana, but it's, you know, non-white, non-Americans. So what have you got next? Okay, so my next one is nonfiction. This was recommended on the one of the podcast episodes when you were out um, by Katie Bassel. And it's called Good Morning Monster by Catherine Gildener. And this is a therapist has picked five of her most memorable patients, patients who were dealing with really, really tough stuff and how they worked through it and how she helped them. And she says it's just an absolutely fascinating memoir. And you learn about these five people and, you know, the horrible things they've had to overcome and kind of the, the process of psychotherapy and how it helps them. So that book comes out on November 22nd. And that's the only nonfiction that I have on the list. So I think I have two more to do. I'm just, I'm shuffling my deck since a few of my picks were. Okay. I have two more I can do too, unless one of them is an overlap. Since we have overlap. So my next one is called No Heaven for Good Boys, and the author's name is Keisha Bush. And it's supposed to be a retelling of Oliver Twist. Uh, It is set, I want to say that it's set in Ghana, and it is about this young boy who, you know, is growing up happily with his family when a traveling teacher encounters him and talks to his family and gets him gets them to give him permission to study with him for a year. So he and his cousin go to study with this teacher and they go to study the Quran. But what he really does when he's supposed to be teaching them is sending, is he's sending them out to, to, to be pickpockets. And so these two cousins, they have each other and they have to figure out a way to escape like this new life, you know, full of, I guess, panhandling and child trafficking, and it's supposed to be really good. I love retellings too. I know you do. I mean, as soon as you said it was a retelling, I said, oh, she's going to want to read this one. Yes. So that's No Heaven for Good Boys. Um, Okay. And it's out October 13th. All right. Just an aside, I have two left, and I'm wondering if you have one of them. Did you have Memorial by Brian Washington on your list? 
I did. Okay. Do you, but do you, you want can to talk do... about that one. No, no, no. Cause I've got another one. Or I have can... another, I think I have, a, I have another one too. Well, why don't we give that one an honorable mention at the end then? Okay. I'm going to say we both came up with it. Okay. All right. So my next one is by a very well-known author, uh, Nick Hornby. And I don't even know how this many... This does not surprise me at all. I knew you were going to put him on your list. Oh, really? That's funny. I don't even know if I've actually ever read a Nick Hornby book th- straight through. I'd, I've definitely seen adaptations. I, I feel like I might have. But this one just sounded good and I had to put it out there. I know he's had a lot of books out and I don't know whether like they're all as good as, you know, his, what is his best one? High Fidelity. I don't know if they're all like as good as that one, but this is about a 41 year old woman who is looking for a babysitter for her son or her kids. I don't know which under her kid is. And she meets this 22 year old man who she's planning to hire as a babysitter, but then they end up getting romantically involved. And it's about this unexpected couple and how they, you know, sometimes mismatches actually work out really well. And I don't know, it just seemed interesting to me. I can't, I just can't remember what, again, what I've actually read of his before, but that one looked good. Nick Hornby? What did I read of his? Did you read about a boy? I mean, I think I saw it. Uh, huh. I don't know if I ever actually read it. I'm actually just putting his name in the search in my blog and nothing is coming up that I've actually read. So I either read stuff by him maybe before I started blogging, which is entirely possible because he's been writing for a long time or all I've seen have been movie adaptations. Right. Um, but I think I saw high fidelity and I thought it was cute. And, um, (laughs) so yeah, so I put that on the list that is called just like you by Nick. So is that your last one besides yes. the Brian Washington? Yeah. Okay. So my last one, I'm going to go with nonfiction. We Heat the Dead Close by Becky Cooper. Uh, and the subtitle is A Murder, <laughs> A Murder at Harvard and a Half Century of Silence. You know, I read Notes on a Silencing by Lacey Crawford. I didn't know if I got to talk about this and I won't talk about it now but maybe in an, in the next show, I'll talk about it. Because I think I read it, uh, read it, I may have read it at the very beginning of this year or last year, and it was coming out in July. But I just, I really liked that book because it was all about, it was about boarding school. She was sexually assaulted at boarding school and the lengths that they took to hide that, you know, it was like a, pres- a prestigious boarding school. So similar to this story, it's, set in a crossroads of very different things, which I really am interested in. So it's in 1969 and it's the beginning of when Harvard and Radcliffe are starting to merge into one university and to be co-ed. And so when the woman is attending there, she hears a rumor of a murder that had happened later on. And she goes to investigate one of the rumors that she found out. And it turns out that that rumor wasn't true, but it just leads her down the rabbit hole of all these like mysterious secrets at Harvard, some of the misogyny that takes place there and just how tumultuous the time period was, you know, it was the height of the six or the sixties and the counterculture and just trying to 
you know, takes an institution that was so rooted in, I guess, patriarchy and masculinity and, and to modernize it and, and what are the growing pains of that. So it's called We Keep the Dead Close. It's coming out November, November 10th by Becky Cooper. And it's kind of, it's like a memoir because she first, you know, Becky, she's the undergrad who hears the story about the murder and decides to investigate it. I'm definitely eager to hear your thoughts on the, what is it called? Notes on a silencing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm eager to hear about that. So let's make sure we cover that. That's definitely read talk. that. It's so good. Um, but I will write a note to myself. All right. There was one last book that I think that Nicole and I both had on our list. So rather than we did cancel out, we decided we would just give it a final last slot, an additional slot. And that book is called Memorial by Brian Washington. Um, this is about a gay couple who lives in Texas. And one of the men in the couple goes back to Japan to see his dying father. And while he's gone, his mother comes and stays in their home with the other member of the couple. And I believe it's about sort of the relationship that develops between the mother and then her son's partner. Um, I have not read Brian Washington, but I believe that you have. I did. I read his short stories a lot. They were beautifully written. I really enjoyed them. I think I may have talked about them on the show, but it was sort of interconnected stories about this family living in California as their neighborhood begins to gentrify. And what happened, like his sister starts to move away from the house. Uh, His mother is faced with whether she wants to sell the house or keep it. And we get some stories about the neighborhood as it's changing, like what kind of people who live there, what they experience and how their lives start to change as the neighborhood gentrifies. But it's also about him coming to terms with his sexuality, uh, dealing with the death of his brother, who I believe is in the military and their relationship and how he felt about them. So it was like, it was, it was interconnected stories, sometimes about the neighborhood, but mostly about that one family. And he, you know, he relates very beautifully all of these different, the different ideas of the different people. And uh, so, yeah, definitely looking forward to reading his novel. It was on, it was, we discovered we have some overlap. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's it. So I'm excited he has a novel. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that is a good list. Yeah, that's a start for the fall. We'll discuss it a lot more as we, as the months go on. Yes, definitely. So we'll check in and keep you posted on what we actually read from this list. And I'll keep you in suspense for another week or so until I tell you about notes on a silencing, but definitely pick it up if you are interested, I guess, in in boarding schools and male privilege and, you know, how these institutions always try to hide their misdeeds. Yes. Seems to be a theme. So until next time. Happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.